This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. Well, we will, today we're going to uh, continue this journey through uh, Luke. Um, We're going to look at Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 13 to 21. And uh, I'd just like to invite Tracy up to, to come and read the passage for us. I'm reading from the NIV translation, which is titled, The Parable of the Rich Fool. Someone in the crowd said to him, that's Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, ah, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. Great. Thank you, Tracy. So the message of this, um, this, this word is, is probably quite well known to us. It's um, one that we would have maybe uh, uh, been through at Sunday school, um, or it would have been read to us by our parents or at some stage. And so we're probably quite familiar with it. But I think the message of this parable is, is often missed. It's a simple parable, but in... In Britain, in the West, we live very complicated lives. So applying what it's saying to us can be a little bit more challenging. And I do wonder whether there are times when, because we as a church or as individuals are not actually applying what Jesus is encouraging us to do here, that we miss out, that we're not growing in the way in which he desires us to grow. 
As I was thinking about this this morning, I, I, was, I was actually thinking about a vine that we have at the back of our house. And uh, each year I cut this vine back and I train it so that it provides us with shade over where we've got a, a table out the back. And it actually provides us with, with shade um, in the, uh, the latter part of the day. But the problem is, it's not bearing fruit. And uh, I keep reading up on it or saying I'm going to read up on it how to, to get better fruit. And some years it looks as if there's going to be fruit and it's actually really small little grapes. Uh, this year I've got more little small grapes and they've even started turning blue. And actually when you taste them, they're quite good, but they, you certainly couldn't, wouldn't find the, these bunches of grapes in Waitrose or Morrison's or anywhere. And that's because whilst my vine is providing shade and comfort, which is what I've sort of trained it to do, there's not a lot of fruit on it in terms of fruit that you could pick and then um, others would be able to enjoy something from it. So in many ways, I'm benefiting in one part from the vine, but I'm not benefiting fully from it. And part of that's because I really don't know what I'm doing. This parable is interesting because we know it, and we sort of know this message about don't store up treasures on earth. But I think there's more to it. And I think there are three key verses in here. And if you like, the sort of the potted version, if I was doing a five-minute talk on this, would go along the following lines. Let's look at the following three verses. Verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. How many times have we prayed to God and told him what he's to do? And then we've got disappointed when our prayer hasn't been answered. And Jesus, when this chap came up to him and said this, and clearly this was quite an important issue, and it looks as if there was some sort of injustice being done here, Jesus didn't respond in the way in which he was hoping. Instead, he responds in verse 15 and says, then he said, well, he responds to this chap and then goes on to say, then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now, who is he talking to? Was he talking to the, the man who asked him for help? Was he actually making a reference to this chap's brother. But he then goes on to tell this parable. He uses it as a lead-in, as if he's talking to all of us. But the interesting point is that Jesus took this situation that had occurred, this request for help in seeing justice done, and he turns it around and is really saying, be aware of what your motives are. Be aware of greed. Be on your guard against it. Because our lives don't consist of an abundance of possessions. Now, where do you get the balance in this? Because in the West, well, in fact, throughout the world, you do need to build up 
some form of capital in order to buy um, food, to have a home, to have a future when it comes to pension time. You know, life is complicated. But there's a warning here about how much we're building up. And the final verse is verse 21. Jesus finishes this after telling the parable. He says, This is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. So the parable is the illustration in the middle, which we often get quite wrapped up in. But actually, those I would suggest to you are the key verses. The point that Jesus is trying to get to is at the end, and often we miss it. What Jesus is saying here is you need to be rich towards God. God wants us to be rich. You know, John 10, verse 10 says, I came that you would have life and life in abundance. God doesn't want us to walk around with gloomy faces, wearing black as the Puritans did, having a miserable life, and that shows us how everybody how righteous we are. He created this incredible world with all its beauty and diversity in order that we would live in the fullness of a life of his creation and with him. He wants us to be rich towards him. The problem is the way in which we seek to become rich, the way in which we've been conditioned, often takes us down the wrong path. This is what I believe he's trying to say to us in this, um, in this passage. So... It's not about give what we're giving up. It's about what we're missing. And I believe in order for us to fully embrace this passage and understand what he's saying, we need to look at it in a different way. We need to look at it with a renewed mind. And scripture is often challenging us to look at things with a renewed mind, with a refreshed mind, to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. So this passage, was when we look at verse 15 and 21 again, it's about what we're missing. What, then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That's not what life is about. And verse 21, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. What are we storing up? What are we filling our life with? Is it the things that are actually going to benefit us? The things that God created us for when God created us he said man he created man and woman and said they were very good he knows what we need but of course 
back in, the, in Genesis, we see, read about how the serpent, how Satan led man and woman astray. He put a suggestion in their mind which said, actually, God's not really wanting all these good things for you. You're missing out on this, which is even better. And of course, when man and woman tasted it, that wasn't the case. And that's what grieves God, because he wants us to move into everything that he created for us. He's the creator. He knows what we need. He knows what's going to bless us. Colossians um, 3, uh, verses 1 and 2 says, Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. God is not a killjoy. He loves us. This world is full of rejection, hurt, and loneliness. Worldly thinking has not got it right. Let's look at the evidence. Let's look at the fruit. Look at the fruit in my garden, my grapes. They're small, and there aren't many of them. What there are tastes good. But God designed that, that vine to create so much more. Let's look in verse 13 and um, 15. Of, uh, of this section again. You know, this man who, um, this injustice was, was being too, um, was, you know, his brother had, had taken all the inheritance and, and not um, shared it with him. You know, it seems a pretty plausible case for, for seeking some help. And Jesus' response can seem quite harsh to this. But that's not what Jesus came to do. He knew his time was short here. Jesus could see that this, this issue was completely focusing this guy. It was consuming him. And yes, Jesus could have said something. But actually, he was concerned not just about this individual incident, but he was concerned about this guy on the long term, for eternity. And he could see what needed to be sorted out here. Jesus didn't come to be a judge. He came to show us the way and to be the way. And that's why on this in, in this particular incident, he wanted to, to remain focused on what the priorities are. His priority was different from this guy's, and he didn't want to be distracted. There are lots of good things we can do, but are we involved with the most important thing? Our challenge, I believe, is to ask ourselves, have we got our priorities right? What is consuming our time at the moment? What is consuming our thinking? Is it things that are going to, to profit us, to add to our life, to make it strong, to build our foundation? Is it things that seem good, but actually are just ticking the box? Or is it what God 
is really desiring us to be involved with. I remember um, when, uh, when I was a teenager, uh, a good friend of mine, his father was, father was into car restoring. And this friend of mine had bought this old DB18, which is a, a really old style car with big sort of sweeping hub caps over the wheels. And chickens had been living in it. And he'd picked it up for about 60 quid. He'd spent about three times that much having it towed um, to his house. And the whole thing was just falling to pieces. And I went round one day and he said, Rich, just see what I've done. And there was this little dent in the roof. And he had spent the entire day filling in this dent and smoothing over so that as you rubbed your finger across the roof, you couldn't feel the dent. Meanwhile, the hubs were falling off. The, the back was full of rust and you couldn't start the engine. But this top bit was really smooth. You know, what are we filling our time with? We might be doing good works, but are they the right works? In verse 15, again, he says, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You know, this is a similar passage to the one on the talents. In, uh, we read about this in Matthew 25, where um, a king was going overseas and he gave to one servant um, ten, um, ten talents, another five and another one. He went away, came back, and then asked them what they'd done with each of their talents. And you probably know the, the parable, but the fact is, he came back and wanted to know what we'd done, what these three guys had done with the talents he'd given to them. And those that had spent time investing in them and had got others back were rewarded. The one guy who was really scared of losing that one talent had buried it and done nothing. And although the king got his talent back, he was disappointed and angry because that person hadn't invested what he'd given to them. You know, we are going to have to give an account at the end of our days. We read about that in Matthew 19, um, 28 to 30. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or wives or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who will last will be first. And in Matthew 25, after that um, parable of the talents, there's the um, parable of the sheep and the goats. And it starts off by saying, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he'll separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. You know, we, we do, we are required to give an account for what we've done with our lives at the end of our days. And so we need to be challenging ourselves. What are we storing up? Because this is what the parable is all about. This rich, this farmer who has a bumper crop Fantastic. 
Can't get it all in his, uh, in his barn. So he builds a bigger barn because he's just storing up stuff for the future rather than using it to benefit those around him um, today. What are we doing? What are we storing up? You know, in the affluent West, we, we live in a world that craves affection, recognition, acceptance, peace, fun. And it's true that money does open the door to many of these things. It opens up opportunities, but it doesn't provide any of those pieces. And we can see in the worst the way in which the West has conducts itself, whether it's capitalism or communism or, or any other ism you want to throw in there, it's flawed. It doesn't work. It leads to problems. Yes, we have some prosperity. Tracy and I used to live in Hong Kong, and um, downtown Hong Kong is incredible. When you see the lights of Hong Kong, it's amazing. But we lived in the New Territories, which was over the mountain range. And often I, um, in fact, the, uh, the um, th three miles to work for me, there was a coach that would, would take us in. Um, it, I was working on a, an army camp there. Um, for that entire three miles, we drove by scrapyard after scrapyard after scrapyard. There were scrapyards for fridges, scrapyards for rear axles, scrapyards for engines. Scrapyards for pretty much anything that you could think of. And this whole area was the backyard of downtown Hong Kong. It was a mess. There were areas where they piled containers that weren't being used. They were nicknamed container farms. They were huge, six high and covering several acres. And often I'd have to fly by helicopter from um, this location into downtown Hong Kong where we've got our headquarters. And as you flew over that area, you would see the rivers below. The rivers were black and there were growing crops in them because of all the oil seeping out of the engine sumps and the, uh, and the cars and that in the scrapyards. It was awful. And this, the prosperity of Hong Kong, it was living on the poverty that existed in their backyard. And Hong Kong's not the only city like that. We see that um, in many places. You know, in the world, there's an increasing levels of mental illness. We hear so much more talk of mental illness, particularly amongst um, the youth today. There's a willingness to satisfy personal needs at the expense of others. We see what greed and power at any cost is, is causing, and we can see what's going on in Ukraine at the moment. The world hasn't got this right. Jesus knows what we need. He loves us with a love that is beyond our comprehension. You know, Ephesians 3, verse 17 to 21, I've often quoted this. It encourages us to be rooted and founded in love, that we would know the surpassing greatness of his love, how wide and high and deep and uh, high is the love that he has for us, that we would know this with all the saints. 
so that we, as we embrace that, will be filled with the fullness of God. God wants to fill us. He cares for us. He knows what we need. But you've got to get your foundation right first. What are we building up, storing in our barns? We need to know that love that he has um, for us. You know, next week, we're going to um, look at the next passage, um, which starts in verse 22. And it's, you know, the title in my Bible is Do Not Worry, because there are things we need to be concerned about. And next week, it's going to move on about where we put our trust. And I don't want don't to steal the sandwiches, whoever's sharing next week. The challenge this week is to, to challenge ourselves. What are we storing up? And yes, we do have needs, but we can put our trust in our Father. John 10, verse 10. Jesus came that we would have, he came that we would have life and life in abundance. Romans 15, 13. Paul um, says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus doesn't want us to be struggling in life. He wants to be surfing that wave. Life is tough. It can be a bit like being down at the seafront with the, with the great waves crashing in. And being in the wave can feel like being stuck in a washing machine. Not that I've ever sat in a washing machine. But it being tumbled over and thrown around. But that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to be on top of that wave, on top of his surfboard of love, coming in on the wave and just enjoying the exhilaration of being on top of those situations and making the most of it. That's what he desires for us. That's what his promises for us. He has good things for us. So... Let's be cautious about what we're storing up. Instead, let's capture the vision with our renewed mind of what he has for us and what, this, what the kingdom of God is really about. Let's capture the vision and nurture the passion. Nurture his passion. A passion for him because he loves us and cares for us and his desire is that it will be reciprocal. And out of the overflow of that, that we will be able to minister to others around us. The last time I was sharing, I was sharing on, um, uh, on the Good Samaritan. And uh, if you remember, the, uh, the, the teacher of the law, it, that well, parable started off by him being asked, what are the, the greatest commandments? And, or what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said... What does the Bible say? What are the commandments? That we would love God with all our heart, with all our strength, and with all our soul. And the Pharisees added, with all your mind as well. That we that's, we'd be completely um, taken up in our love for God. And then he goes on to say, and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the foundations that he's looking for in us. 
You know, you take a gardener, a craftsman, an entrepreneur, each of those, in order to be successful in what they are doing, have to be completely focused in that. I've show, shared with you my failings as a gardener, but I know Tracy's really getting into her gardening at the moment, but she's got to be completely dedicated to that. If the garden doesn't get watered, then the, the plants don't uh, bear fruit. If they're not nurtured and looked after, then they fail. The same with a, with a craftsman. They've got to give meticulous attention to what they're doing. If they do a sloppy job or, or cut a corner, you're not going to have the same quality product at the end. They've got to be completely dedicated to it. And the same with an entrepreneur. Our, our daughter Felicity and her husband Ben have built up this, um, this business, a, a gym down in Brighton um, with their church. But it, whenever you talk to Ben, he's always talking about the gym that he's building up because he's got to be completely focused and dedicated, looking whether his, his customers are happy. How can he be marketing it more? How can, has he got the price right? Are, are his um, clients happy with the, the service they're, they're getting? If he doesn't give it the full attention, then they're not going to get the, uh, the revenue in. They're not going to have happy customers. They're not going to have a good atmosphere uh, in the gym. If they don't pay attention to the safety side of things, there could be an accident. How much do we want God in our life? To see his transforming power and life in our lives and in the lives of those around us. What treasure are we building up? That verse 21. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Let us be rich towards God. Let us think about what we're storing up in our barns and what we're drawing out of our barns to minister to others. You know, if you're seeing someone in need, they're needing some of your time just to come alongside them whether they're needing a meal, whether they're needing a word, whether they're needing just to hang out with you. What are, we, what are we doing with the talents that we've got? And I'm not just talking about money, I'm talking about time. And just, just a telephone call sometimes can be all that is needed. We will need to trust in God that our needs will be met. But that's next week's preach, and we're not going to go there. For this week, I believe the challenge is, let's get our priorities right. And the incredible thing about this is that God's not saying, I want you to have a fun life or a dismal life, and the way to eternal life is through the dismal life. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to have a different mindset. But rather than just looking after yourself, actually, you're, you're putting me first. And that's easy because his love for us is so much greater than our love for him. But what's more, he also, out of the overflow of that relationship, he wants us to be there for others. And his promise is that this is the way for, for abundant life, for everlasting life. And actually, he knows the real things that we need to give us that joy and the peace. And I'll end with just one short testimony and story I remember um, many years ago, 
when I was living in, in Cyprus. Um, I was a junior officer in working for the United Nations, having a whale of a time. And um, I was, uh, every Sunday though, I made sure I was in church. And that's where I met Tracy at a church in, uh, um, in, uh, in Limassol. And I was in this church and we were worshiping as we were worshiping this morning and it was fantastic. I was just lost in praise and was in God's presence and I could just sense God, God with me. It was incredible, incredible time of worship. And God spoke to me and he said, you've had a good weekend, haven't you? And I thought, yeah, I have had a good weekend. Friday night, I was at a, uh, a really a formal um, ball. Everyone was in black tie. Ladies were in long dresses and looking fabulous. And they're all walking around with dance cards that you had to approach them and be on their dance list before you could have a dance with them. It was fantastic. Very, uh, very sort of highbrow, but it was good fun. And then the next night, the Saturday night, I was at a, um, the Canadian contingent that I worked with. were having a big party, celebrating everything Canadian. So everyone was there in plaid shirts and jeans, and there were sore competitions and axe-cutting competitions and everything Canadians do, uh, blueberry pie and all that sort of stuff. And the Lord said, I, really, I just had this sense of God saying, what day would you miss out from this weekend? The Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And, as I, and I thought, wow, that's a difficult one because I've had a fantastic weekend but I knew straight away the day that I would not miss out on was on the Sunday. Because what I was experiencing as I worshipped him, the peace in my heart, the just the relationship with him, nothing compared with that. Nothing that I was doing in my job, nothing that was uh, happening at either of those parties as glamorous and amazing as they sound. In terms of how they touched me inside, the day that I wouldn't miss out on was that day just stood in his presence and worshipping him. And if that's what it was like when I'm down here on earth, when I get into heaven, it's just going to be phenomenal. Let's just pray. Father God, I thank you for this word. Lord, you challenge us not to give us a hard time, but because you love us and you care for us, and you want so much more for us. And it grieves you to see what we're missing out on at times. And what's more is you want to bring your purposes to fruition through us. You want to touch other people's lives through us. So Father, I just pray that you'll continue to speak to us this week through this word. And that you will give us a deeper touch and awareness of your love for us, what you desire for us, that we would um, get deeper in our relationship with you, that we would know more of your love, and that, Father, we would be able to not stand strong, only stand strong in the foundation that we have in you, but actually those that we love round about us, that we would bring them into this relationship as well. Give us boldness, but first of all, Lord, increase our awareness of you so that we speak from our experience and from truth and what we know to be true. Be with us, Lord, I pray. Holy Spirit, lead us into this. In Jesus' name, I ask you. Amen.